everybody. This is Allison Ramirez with Grace and Glory Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. Today, I want to get into the topic of the love of God. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking, uh, that the love of God is a basic topic. He loves everybody and that you may want to hear something more mature or more deep or more meaningful than that topic. Or what about our love for God, Allison? What about our service to God? Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about what we can do for God? But I want to tell you that I believe the topic of God's love for us is one of the deepest and most profound, amazing topics that there is to be talked about because it is the cure to all things. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Now that's not talking about our perfect love because our love, let's face it, in and of ourselves, we can't love perfectly. The Lord is love. It says in the Bible that God is love and that perfect love casts out out all fear. And so the one who is perfect love is Jesus. That's talking about him. And it's saying that his love is perfect. And as we receive it, it casts out all fear in our life. We are perfected by Jesus because it says that he, with his one-time sacrifice, has perfected forever those of us who are being sanctified. So when we receive Jesus through his one-time sacrifice on the cross, he has perfected forever those of us who are being sanctified. And therefore, he is perfect love. He's the one who does the perfecting, and he is the perfect one. And as we receive his perfect sacrifice, we are perfected too. And so that's what it's saying is that perfect love casts out all fear. So when we receive his love for us, not focus on our love for him, but just receive his love for us, it will also cast out all fear. Now back to my point. Um, some people don't believe that the topic of God's love is very mature. Um, you'll get mixed messages. Like people generally say, yeah, God loves us all generally in a general sense. But I think it is so, so important to individualize God's love for you. And the reason why is we see in the book of John, um, disciple John always refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loves, the disciple who Jesus loves. Now, some people, to our natural ears, that sounds kind of arrogant. It sounds kind of like cocky, like, wow, John, you really think highly of yourself. You're full of yourself, buddy. But the truth is that John was actually in a place of humility. It is more humble to boast in God's love for you rather than your love for God. And here's the reason why. The Bible in 1 John 4.10 defines love as this. It says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. For God so loved the world, it says in John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. And so it's as simple as that. Love gives and God is love, it says in the Bible. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son for us to be the propitiation for our sins. Love always gives and God is love and he gave us Jesus and that is the definition of love right there. There is no greater love than he who would give himself up for his friends. Now we are referred to as a friend of God and Jesus is our friend in the Bible elsewhere too. Um, to further this along, it says we love because he first loved us. That's in 1 John four nineteen. now. We love because God first loved us. See, the only reason we can love God back 
is because he first loved us. We have to receive and be aware of and soak in his love for us first in order to even go and love him back or to love others back. We love because he first loved us. We must focus on God's love for us. And out of that, it will overflow to loving others much too and to loving God much too, not the other way around. You know, we don't love God to get him to love us. I mean, he died for us while we were still sinners, the word says. It says, while we were sinners, God died for us. Before we could even lift our eyes in his direction, before our heart was even persuaded to to receive him before our mind could even think about him before we were even placed in our mother's womb 2019 years ago on the cross jesus died for sinful humanity because of what god gave jesus because he loved us for god so loved us the world sinners that he gave his only begotten son so whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life when we receive jesus we are taken from sinner to saint uh, sinner to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus eternally. The gifts and callings of the Lord are without repentance. They're irrevocable. They will not be taken away. He won't change his mind about it. You are made eternally righteous, eternally saved, and eternally a saint the moment you receive salvation. And that is out of his great and amazing love for us. And that was his plan before we could even receive him. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more now that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus will he remain? God loves you because he loves you because he loves you. He doesn't need a reason. He made you. He loves you. He desires to be with you so much so that he sent his son Jesus, the perfect one, to become the separation from him that is fatherlessness to restore us and reconcile us back to him, our good father. And that was all because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And that was all because love motivated him. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross for you. It was his love, his heart for you, and his heart of compassion and fatherly love for you that held him to the cross. He just, it wasn't the nails. He's powerful. He could have removed himself, but guess what? He wanted to die for you because of his love for you. He thinks you're amazing and he is ready to spend eternity with you. And if you're a believer already, he already is. He lives within you. He's chosen you as his temple. You are altogether lovely and beautiful. There is no flaw in you. The Lord has made his dwelling place, your body, his home in this life. So enjoy it. See, those last two scriptures I read you, it was 1 John 4.10, explaining the definition of love, that this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And then the other one was 1 John 4.19, where I said, we love because he first loved us. Need these, I'm going to read, read some more verses after this, and you're going to see the contrast. See, those last two verses I read in 1 John 4, that is love under grace. See, it supplies. We love because he first loved us. Now, the Old Testament and the law was demand. It demanded things out of you that you could not give. It's showing you the impossibility of you in and of yourself to do the things that the law requires and therefore to receive Jesus. The law is purpose is to bring you to the end of yourself, to the end of your self-effort, to the end of you being your own savior for yourself, to the end of you fulfilling the righteous requirements that God commands in and of yourself. You know, we were not designed to be under the law. God told Adam and Eve that they could eat from every tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is a symbol of the law. And what they did was they ate from that and they brought upon all this stuff 
into, into the world after that from disobedience. You know, God's desire, he gave us everything. They had every good tree to eat from. God supplied. Before the fall, it was all supply. It wasn't demand. God already, cre- he created us on the last day. He created humanity on the very last day. That's because he already was supplying everything that we would ever need to be welcomed into this world. God is a good God and an abundant God, and he had amazing plans for us. But that's just besides the point. So the Old Testament or the law, uh, it is demand. It demands and requires much of man that man can't give. And the whole purpose is to bring man to the end of himself, to receive the one after it, the ministry after that, which is the ministry of grace, the ministry of Christ, and the ministry that is more glorious, which is the gospel of grace, the New Testament, the cross, and the finished work. So here is kind of an explanation of love in the Old Testament or what the law required in the law. So I just read in the New Testament, which is going to differ a lot from the Old Testament, but we are in the New Testament. So this is the right the right way to love. This is the definition for us now. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son up to be the propitiation for our sins. And then we love because he first loved us. Now look at the difference here. It's night and day. In the Old Testament, in Matthew 22, 35 through 39, it says a Pharisee tested Jesus with the question saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So you see here that it's saying love must come from you. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, who of us, if we're honest, can say that we do that or that we can do that? It's impossible. We cannot be fully occupied with our love for God, that's an impossibility. The New Testament way is this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And we love because he first loved us. So we can only love out of the love that he first supplies to us when we receive it, when we bask in it. And that is where love overflows onto others and into God. But the law says that we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And then it says the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now you see here, I just read, we love because he first loved us. Now the law saying, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So it places the responsibility and the demand and the burden on you, what you can do in and of yourself. And the purpose of this is to bring you to the end of yourself to receive the Savior's love for you and not your love for the Savior. It's not about that. We can't boast in our love for God, but we should boast in his love for that for us. And out of that, um, you know, that's maturity. Because the Bible says in Ephesians, starting in Ephesians 3.16, this was a Paul's prayer to Christians regarding love. He says, God, that God would grant us according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that we, we may be rooted and grounded in love so that we might comprehend what is the width the length, the depth, the height of God's love, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. So we see right there that the love of God is maturity to 
be aware of God's love for you is actually a mature topic. It's not an elementary topic. It's not a basic topic. It's one of the most important topics that you'll ever realize is God's love for you. That is so important. It brings the fullness of God, it says in Ephesians 3. It says that we might comprehend, that we might comprehend. It's, there's probably no, not even a guarantee that we will comprehend all of it because his love is just so deep and it's so huge and it's so mature. It says that we might comprehend with all the saints, what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth and what is the height of God's love that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. So when we meditate on God's love for us and receive God's love for us, focus on his love for us instead of our love for him, we are filled with all the fullness of God and his love. And that's true maturity. A lot of Christians are very occupied with serving God and with their love for him and how much they love him, not realizing that that's an Old Testament way and that the New Testament way is to to focus on God's love for you, not your love for God, because that brings about boasting and that brings about trying to earn God's love for you. When you can't, it says that while we were sinners, Christ already died for us before we could even think about him. He already chose to die for us. Now our part is just to receive and it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent. It's his goodness for us. It was never fear because perfect love casts out fear. God never motivates you to believe in him through fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear and God is love. He is perfect love and he casts out fear. Once you receive him who is perfect love, it casts out fear. Once you meditate on God's love for you instead of your love for him, it casts out fear. So, so many Christians are, you know, occupied with their love for God and trying to strive and saying, you got to love God more. You got to be on fire for God or you'll be lukewarm. But God is not interested so much in how much you love him or boasting your love for him but about how much he loves you. He wants you to boast in his love for you. And out of receiving a, the abundance of his love for you, you will then love him effortlessly too back. And that's in 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. So we get it backwards a lot of the time. And then secondly, we're always focused on how much service we can be to God or are we serving him enough? Are we loving him enough? Do, 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 be, be, be. It's very demand and it's just like the law. So many Christians are legalistic because they're always focused on their self. They're never focused on Jesus. They're focused on how, what they can do for Jesus. Are they measuring up? Are they doing enough? And that's the law, you know, and we're not under the law. We're under this new covenant of God's grace and love for us that God made with Jesus. The covenant that God made with Jesus that we couldn't even break if we tried because the covenant was never made with us to begin with. We receive it. And so, yeah, you know, Jesus even says, think not that I came to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Many Christians are trying to give their life as a ransom for God. It's true. You know, they're trying to serve their heads off and they're trying to do enough and earn God's love and earn God's favor and earn God and earn their right into heaven. But that would make God a debtor to you. If you could earn something from God, then that means God owes you something and he is God. He owes us nothing. It is humble to focus on God's love for you. It is humble to let God serve you. It is humble to let God be a savior. Stop trying to be your own savior. Stop trying to win your own way into God's heart. You are already approved of. You're accepted in the beloved the moment you receive his 
his salvation. You have been made approved and accepted and highly favored in the beloved, in Jesus. Jesus did the work. Jesus was alone on the cross for us. We can never add to the finished work of the cross. That is an insult. It's Jesus that did the work. He says, think not that I came to be served. He doesn't want servants. He wants sons. He says, you are no longer slaves to the law, but you are sons. And if sons, then heirs. God wants us to call him Abba Father. That's the name that Jesus came to reveal of, the, of God is the name Father. He, he, Jesus procured sons for God. He didn't procure servants. We serve out of a realization of how we have already been served by the one God. Now, service is great for man. But it's not for God. We aren't servants of God. And if we are, it's serving out of the realization of how much he has already served us. Think not that I came to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. We cannot keep trying to give our life as a ransom for God. He gave his life as a ransom to us and service to us. That's in Matthew 20, 28. It is humble to be a receiver. It is humble to be a son. It is humble to boast in God's love for you. It is humble to let God serve you and take the place of Savior. Because that's what he came to do. He came to save hurting humanity and reconcile them back to his good father. Now, I think that's all I have for today. I want to thank you for listening to me. Sorry if I got repetitive on some of those scriptures. I'm just very passionate and I want it to be ingrained in not only your mind and your heart, but in mine as well. And I think as we, we talk on the love of God for us, we will actually grow in all the fullness of God. It's the most mature thing we could do. The Bible says to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, not grow in the grace, not grow in law or the knowledge of ourself or how much we need to do or focus on ourselves to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus. And we are actually transformed by beholding Christ and by beholding all that he did for us and his finished work and his service to us, not by beholding our service to him, our service to him, our works to him and all that. It says that our works has filthy rags if we're trying to earn righteousness through our works. We receive righteousness as a free gift. Romans 5.17 those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. So it is by receiving, and that's by receiving an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that we reign in life, not by earning or working that we reign in life. So the most humble position that we can take is son. The most humble position we can take is I am loved by God. The most humble position we can take is God served me. The most humble position we can take is God finish it all. I have nothing to add, but out of the realization of all four of the things that I just listed, we will then love him a lot too, serve him a lot too, and work hard in the kingdom out of the realization that he's already finished the work. We work out of joy, not obligation, not trying to earn something. It's effortless and it overflows out of the realization of all he first did for you. So be blessed, everybody. I hope this helped a lot. And I hope that in the week ahead that you meditate and focus a lot on God's great abundant love for you, that we might know the width, the length, the depth, and the height of his love for us to be filled with the fullness of God. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening.